This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. And today I have Gail with me. Welcome, Gail. How are you? Hi, Annie. I'm really good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good. So we're talking Denver to Spain today. That's pretty cool. Yes, it is. So why don't you take me back kind of to the beginning of your journey, like your, your drinking journey, your, where it all started for you, even your first drink? Wow. Wow. I was never a drinker uh, when I was growing up, teenager. I had quite a strict upbringing. There was no alcohol in my house at all. Um, and then when I, I think I was about 21 and I got my first house with my boyfriend um, and it was just kind of the grown up thing to do at the time, you know, um, a nice kind of wine rack in the kitchen with all the wine on and um, he was a beer drinker so I started drinking beer with him but it was never anything, you know, more than a couple of cans or something, nothing really. Even when I was at university, it didn't really bother me that much. But it was kind of when I moved to Spain, I moved here in... Um, so where did you grow up? I grew up in the northeast of England, in okay. Newcastle. <clears throat> yeah, so I went from a big city to where I am now, which is a tiny village in Andalusia. And we moved here in 2004. And it was, it's part of the Spanish culture that they have a beer with their breakfast, which they have at 10 o'clock. They have a beer with their lunch. They have tapas um, and going out at nighttime. Uh, and we just kind of got involved in that and fell into it. And that's when I would say the daily drinking started. But again, not a lot, you know, just a couple of beers. But we kind of fell into that habit of we have to have beer in the house. I have to have a beer at the end of the day. And um, and then it just sort of went from there. I did have a break when I was pregnant with my second son. So I had about a year off. And then um, I think it was in about 2014, I had six months off. And I, I don't know why, but I just said, okay, I'm not drinking anymore. And I just stopped. And then I fell back into it again, quite badly after that. And I think it was what all mums kind of experience, you know, isolation, loneliness, stress. I had two little ones at home and I felt on my own. And just long afternoons, evenings stretched out. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do. So I drank drunk through everything and it went on for about five years it just got worse and worse and worse um yeah so things weren't very good at home during that time at all and so what what would a typical day look like a typical day would be I would get home from <clears throat> picking my son up from school at about half past two three o'clock and I would have a beer before I did anything else. Sometimes I would even have a beer before I went. It just depended. Um, and then once I had that first beer, then that would be me for the rest of the afternoon. 
sometimes I would have a little nap because I was just too tired and then I would get up again and I would have a cup of tea first but then I would open another few beers after that and that was every day every day and were um were there friends or other moms doing this with you or was it just kind of on your own it was me on my own well my husband as well he was always drinking too uh we lived um quite isolated from the main village so there was no other um, mums around we did have a couple of expat friends who were couples and they didn't have kids. So, you know, a Saturday night, for example, we would get together and it would easily turn into, you know, three, four, five o'clock the next morning because they didn't have any responsibilities and we just kind of fell into it. So it was quite, I don't know, it was lonely, isolating, boring on one point on the other side of it was you know to kind of socialize kick back but it was out of control they just didn't know when to stop really and how old were your kids at this time my youngest son he would have been about uh, well just one two just a baby really and my eldest one he would have been um nine ten roughly so yeah they were still quite little and that makes me feel just so bad on the one hand you know I wanted to be this cool mom who liked to party and um, have a good time but then on the other hand it was just neglecting my role as a mom really and I felt so bad for that and I just hated myself at times but then on the other side of it, I would think, well, you know, why not? Why can't I have a drink and enjoy myself? So there was a huge conflict for a long time. Yeah, I relate to that so much. I mean, my kids were, were really young and yeah, yeah, it's crazy to think about. So um, when did you start thinking that you might want to make a change? And, and what did you start to, to do? Well, after I had this kind of six month break, it was about a year or two after that. And I thought, you know, <clears throat> things were really good then and I'd like to do it again. But something was always kind of stopping me. And it, I kind of wanted to do it, but I didn't know how to do it because the last time it was just, you know, instant. I didn't really try. And I was just trying to get back into that frame of mind and I couldn't. And then, something really awful happened and that was kind of a wake-up call and I thought then you know I'm gonna have to start looking at myself seriously so I started looking at blogs and listening to podcasts and just to find out how other people had done it and to try and get a bit of inspiration to help me do it. So after what happened did you feel like <clears throat> um and obviously you don't have to tell me if you don't want to tell me what happened, but did you feel like that was sort of like, okay, right. Like I need to stop. This needs to change. Or was it more like, I'm just getting curious about it. No, I, I definitely thought it had to stop because, um, I mean, I can tell you what happened. Um, we'd been drinking wine, my husband and I all afternoon, uh, and our rubbish wine drinker couldn't ever drink wine at all, but that's all we had in the house. It was one of those, boxes with a little tap on so it was really easy you know just to keep refilling and 
Um, I had no idea how much it drank. And then an argument started, which happened quite often. And I just thought, I've had enough. I don't want to be here anymore. So I've got my laptop, my passport, uh, my money, and I got in the car. And I started the car. And I, obviously, I was so drunk at this point. I didn't know where I was going or anything. But the worst thing is that I had my youngest son with me in the car. And he started crying because he didn't have any clothes. He was just in his pajamas. He didn't even have his teddy bear, which set him off crying. Um, and I just sat there and I thought, oh, my God, what are you doing? I didn't drive anywhere, thankfully. But I came in and honestly, I need the pain. I've never felt pain like it. And I wish that that had been the moment when I'd stopped, but it wasn't because the next day I felt so awful that the only thing that I could do to get rid of the feelings was to drink again. But that sort of was a wake up call. And I thought, my God, you know, what could have happened if I'd driven and so yeah, it was like, you've got to do something. You need to sort yourself out. So it wasn't long after that when I did stop, but that was a huge shock. It's so interesting because I mean, yeah, I, I feel like there's so much to be grateful for in that story, obviously. And I yeah. feel the same around a lot of my stories. It's like just this moment of clarity of, I always describe it as like seeing where the train was headed, which was right off yeah. a bridge, you know, or right into yeah. a wall, like it was going to crash and just realizing like, and yeah, those moments weren't when I got off the train for good, but mm -hmm. it was moments of just awareness of, of what train I was on and where yeah. it was going and the potential dangers. Mm -hmm. And so even though um, it's so easy for us to say like, oh, I should have changed right then. I can't believe I didn't and beat ourselves up. But all of those points of awareness are just part of, part of the journey. Like that's how humans mm -hmm. work. We don't we don't change something overnight we have to look at it from all aspects and all angles and yeah there's just a lot to be it sounds like grateful in, in your story and in my story and you know just anybody's story who's like yeah wow I got to see it before it crashed like I got to see the horror of being in the car with my son and um yeah. about to drive before I actually drove anymore like that's just so so really beautiful in a way you know to have that awareness without the tragedy it's like mm. really a gift right yeah, yeah, I am so grateful that I didn't drive anywhere that day. Yeah, yeah. And so then, yeah, so then what happened when you, so you started to read blogs and that's kind of where I cut you off? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I started to read blogs and as I said, just kind of trying to find out how other people had done it and what it was like for their day one, kind of, you know, how did they do it how did they make that first step i remember reading a blog i think it was um claire Pooley, sober mummy and she said you know something like five days without alcohol and i was like oh my god that's so awesome i want to be five days but i can't but um but i had a good talk with my husband because the arguments that we had when we were drinking were just awful and he was the same as me, you know, he would wake up the next day, feel awful. And we just said, you know, this can't carry on, basically, for ourselves, for the kids. You know, we were at risk of losing everything that we built up. And we just said, you know, this has got to stop. So that, that was it, really. We didn't kind of plan it. 
there was a couple of beers in the fridge and my husband said, right, I'm not drinking today. And I said, right, well, I'm going to finish those beers. So I finished those beers. Um, but then the next day we didn't buy any alcohol and, um, and we haven't bought any since. We haven't drank any since. That's so awesome. So, yeah, it was kind of, we didn't say, right, let's stop for 30 days or let's have a break. We just said, okay, we're not going to drink. And I think that helped because mm -hmm. it was 30 days at that time. The thought of even two days, but 30 days or something would be like, no way, I can't do that. So we just said, okay, we're not going to drink. And then we didn't. And then it just kind of got easier from there on, really. So here we are. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. So what, what sorts of things really helped you? I mean, obviously I think the firm decision is so important. And so, yeah, you know, yeah, it is. That's what really made it kind of stick because before it was like, should I, should I, maybe I'll have a drink at the weekend. And you know what it's like, you get into that kind of internal kind of chatter so yeah, that really helped just making the decision. But yeah, I read a lot of books. I think I put in an Amazon order and I got about six books within the first week. Yours was one of them. Um, so slowly but surely I just plowed my way through these books and created more awareness. And just every day as well, waking up without hangover, waking up feeling normal, sleeping through the night. Gradually, I just started to feel a lot better and a lot more clear-headed. And I thought, well, you know, this has got to be the way to go. I'm not going back to that ever again. So it was a combination of experience and just reading a lot. I read a lot. Oh, that's so cool. That's mm -hmm. great. So then um, did you get any pushback from like your friends or family or anything like that? Um, not really. My brother, I told him and he's like really blase and laid back about everything. And he just went, oh yeah, that's pretty good. And that's all that he said. Um, we didn't tell my mother-in-law or her partner for about five months. We waited until they came out for a visit before we told them. And they were, they were big drinkers as well. And obviously they came over to be on holiday and my mother-in-law is a gin drinker so when they came obviously we had no alcohol in the house so we said oh do you want a cup of tea <laughs> and they were like what cup of tea never been heard of <laughs> <laughs> so then we kind of explained you know what was going on and they were like oh yeah okay we'll see how long it lasts so not not negative but not very supportive either at first so were they um, were they staying with you no, they weren't. They stayed in another cave just down okay. the road from us. But they did spend all of their time with us. So lunch, dinner, evenings, everything. So did they and, buy their own alcohol or did they just? Yeah, they bought their own alcohol. Okay. Yeah, they bought some non-alcoholic beer for us. And it was like, what's this rubbish type of thing? And then <laughs> they would send my youngest son because for some reason they would, didn't keep it in the kitchen, their alcohol. So they kept it like outside and they would send my youngest son and say, oh, can you go and get me a glass of my special grape juice? 
and we were like, you can't say the word why. Mm. You know, it's not gonna I'm not gonna burst into flames or anything like that <laughs> so that was quite funny because I think they were just unsure of you know what to do yeah. you know did they think that we were like total alcoholics and would we crumble or they, did they want to you know they didn't want to upset us or it was it was a bit tricky at first but then we kind of just settled back into the routine they were drinking and we weren't, and it was fine. <laughs> That's so interesting. And then what about any, like, friendships and stuff? Well, we actually, luckily, I think, moved away from these two couples who we used to spend a lot of time with. Um, so we were, like, an expat kind of part of the, the village on the outskirts of the village, and now we're in the village with a lot of Spanish people. And that really helped. So I wouldn't say we lost friends, but we just kind of drifted apart. Um, and to be fair, the first couple of months, we just sat on the sofa drinking tea and eating chocolate and biscuits and things. So we wouldn't have been very good company, I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, slowly but surely we, I made a lot more connections than my husband because I've been online and Facebook groups and things where he's not. So I've made a lot of connections virtually, but people in the village, uh, I have got quite a few Spanish friends. One of them is never drunk in a life ever. So that's quite interesting. Um, but we spend a lot more time as a family together, whereas before we didn't used to. So, you know, we're quite happy to go away at the weekend as a family or go out for the whole afternoon as a family. And um, we're quite good friends with a young kind of punk rock band. So we spend a bit of time with them in the beginning, their concerts and stuff like that. Um, and they weren't really bothered that we weren't drinking. They would just buy us alcohol-free beer and that was fine. So I'm quite lucky that I've never had any friendships that have kind of gone because of my decision that's great that's so cool yeah that's so cool so then you know here you are today um yeah what, what sort of tips would you give somebody who's like you know uh, what you said really struck me when you're saying I can't even imagine how great it would be to be like five days alcohol free and how impossible <laughs> that felt right like yeah so somebody's in that mindset you know what would you what sort of tips could you give them I would say um just believe in yourself and believe that it is possible if I can go from drinking daily for over five years and not being able to imagine not doing it, then, then, then you can as well. And I think you have to just try, just take that first step, even if it means, you know, getting through the first 10 minutes, the first hour, the first evening, just, just try. And I would say remove all temptation. That really helped me because I think if my husband had still been drinking and there was alcohol in the house, I don't know if I would have been as strong. Mm -hmm. So definitely remove all temptation. And one thing that I did was I used to get in the bath and put my pajamas on, even if it was like four o'clock in the afternoon, because then I knew that I wouldn't be tempted to go shopping or anything. 
and um, and focus on the positives. It might sound a bit, you know, fluffy, but that really got me through just thinking how great I'm going to feel the next day without having a drink. No waking up at three o'clock in the morning, you know, full of regret and needing the toilet and needing water. And just focus on on that, just focus on how good it feels not to drink anymore. That's so good. So good. Um, I love that idea of like really going towards the positive instead of away from the negative. I think that um, yeah. so often we, and, and obviously change happens from avoiding pain or going towards pleasure. And so to mm. try to get as much as possible towards the pleasure is, is really awesome because when you're avoiding pain, um, it's, it's a great motivator, but it's not a comfortable motivator. Right. And I always no, like <laughs> humans, we do what we do over the long term because we feel like doing it. You know, even if you're a marathon runner, something that like most people think sounds like not very much fun. Marathon mm. runners want to run marathons. They have yeah. they've adopted an identity of being a marathon runner. They have, you know, created space where they really have learned to love running, or maybe they mm. were just born loving running. But um, everybody who does stuff like people really over the long term don't do things that they don't want to do. And one mm. of the ways to want to do something is by just training your brain, realizing the power of your thoughts you can choose, and then focusing on what you have to gain and what the positive is. I think that's really powerful. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Anything else you can think of? Uh, reading a lot, that's what kind of helped me because it, it was so useful to see how other people had done it as well and to read their stories, which is why, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy to share mine because I do think other people's stories helped. Um, so yeah, get your hands on as much material as you can. And I found your book really useful because it explained a lot. Whereas, you know, I had no clue really what was going on in my mind and why. And But, um, but just hearing the explanations that you gave about the association and about the chemicals in your brain and, and all of that, I was just like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. And I suppose that helped helped it to stick because I understood what had been going on, whereas before I hadn't. And I was just kind of hoping for the best, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, definitely read. That, that really helped me reading as much as possible. That's awesome. Yeah, that really helped me too, you know. And I, I didn't read a ton of like sobriety books in the beginning for a few reasons. There wasn't a ton of them. Now there's so many more, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, but also because I was really into just reading like the science, like the studies, but I'd, I'd mm. print and I'd buy and I just read so many of them sit with my little highlighter. So that was really helpful <laughs> for me too. That's great. Yeah. So um, the question I always kind of end with is if you were going to go back and talk to Gail, uh, you know, who was really feeling a lot of shame about drinking with her her kids and, and feeling like a lot of conflict about it, had seen where the train is going, wasn't sure how she was going to get off. Um, what would you tell her about what life is like today and what life is like on the other side? Oh, I would tell her that. Definitely get off it, get off the train. <laughs> um, because it's just changed so much for me, my family, 
I've lost a, a ton of weight. I've got more energy. I feel better. And I think that's a big thing because I just felt so rubbish for so long and I couldn't imagine feeling good again. So I would tell her, you know, yes, you will feel good again. And you will be a mum again and be happy about being a mum because, you know, as I said, I had the kind of conflict. But really, what I wanted was right there in front of me, my kids, what I, what I wanted. Um, and I would just tell her, you know, that your kids are amazing. They need you. They're going to make all of this so much worthwhile. And also, I would tell her that life is just so much calmer now. Um, which is just amazing because before it was really chaotic and if the me back then knew that just by not drinking that everything would just settle down and be calm and be nice ha um, home would be a good place to be again then I think that would have helped the former me do something about it sooner and have you really noticed that that like you know the fighting has stopped in your house is really calm and Things yeah like it is yeah my husband and I don't argue anymore um Beautiful. at all which is just fantastic and tonight for example I went I had to go down and pick my youngest son up from a school trip and in the past I would have resented him because it meant that I couldn't have had a drink to go down and get him and then when we picked him up he mysteriously lost his coat and jumper and in the past I would have been across with him anyway because he stopped my drinking time. And then the fact that he'd lost his coat and jumper would have just sent me completely over the edge and I would have just exploded. And we would probably still be having an argument about it now. Um, so yeah, I was a bit cross obviously, but you know, what can I do? So he's gone to bed, he hasn't been shouted at. He's gone to bed happy and tired but not upset and oh, that means oh, the world to me that's so cool and it's like it's it's incredible um i'm always talking about a woman who i'm like learning about relationships from her name is stacy martino and one of the things that she teaches specifically in regards to parenting is that like the currency of parenting is rapport right yeah. um if you don't have rapport then when you ask them to do something, they might do it, but they're only doing it to please you. And they're not ever mm. doing it from an authentic desire to do the right thing. And so, but if you do have rapport, then you can really instill like incredible values in your kids because you can have the conversations and because they want to, when it really gets important, when they're teenagers and when they want to talk about the hard stuff, you have yeah. this rapport, you have this incredible rapport. So they actually value your opinion and they're asking for it because as human beings, and this is so true, and I remember this in my own life, like we don't want advice that we don't ask for. We yeah. almost don't even want advice we do ask for, but we certainly don't <laughs> want advice we don't ask for, right? And so okay. just, it, it popped into my mind because uh, like how much rapport did you build with your son? Like he probably felt so much like, oh my gosh, I've lost my jumper, I've lost my coat, mom's gonna be so mad, oh my gosh. And then when you, when you weren't, like how, how much is that just gonna impact so many things because of how much like relationship and rapport has yeah. been now built it's really beautiful it's amazing it's so cool yeah. to see the ripple effect like the knock-on effect of exactly. just one decision to you know put down the bottle it's mm. 
it's staggering sometimes to be like, wow, look how much it affects. I know, I know. And now I don't feel like a hypocrite when I tell my oldest son not to drink when he goes out. Because, you know, before I would have said, you know, don't drink. And there I was sitting with a beer or a glass of wine. And he'd be like, well, who are you to tell me that I can't drink? But now, because he's seen both sides of it as well, I think he's like, well, yeah, actually. Mm. I think he has experimented. It's normal old teenagers to do. But I think um, he tells me now if he's had a drink and it's not that often. So I feel a lot happier for him that I made that choice. That's just he awesome. can make that choice. So good. I know because they do what we do, not what we, what we say. It's just exactly shay, but so true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story, Gail. It was really a pleasure. Appreciate oh, it. Thank you. I've enjoyed chatting to you, Annie. Thank you. It's been great. All right. Well, stay warm. And I will. Have a wonderful <laughs> day. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Annie. Bye. Bye. Did you miss this Naked Mind Live? Do you maybe have a little bit of FOMO? But don't worry, I've got you covered. In fact, I had the entire event professionally recorded and it's available digitally. Transformation in your living room. Yep, that is what it's all about. You can grab your digital ticket at thisnakedmind.com forward slash digital ticket. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.